0: Life happens happens. with Pinelo Motine. Pinelo Motine on SAFM.
1: Good afternoon, it's eight minutes after one. This is Life Happens on SAFM. Thank you so much for joining us. It's one of those days where we can, we're going to really focus a lot on COVID-19. So much has happened. So we're really dedicating this particular show on all your questions and and trying to get as many voices as possible. Those living with COVID-19, doctors, various doctors to give us their take, because really we are at that point where Gauteng has been called now the new epicenter. Lots of things going on. I'm also going to give you some details for people. Who are able to test for free and where those centers are. So it's going to be primarily dedicated to COVID 19. It's one of those times where many of us need to start changing behavior. We need to start really seriously thinking about what is it that needs to happen for us to change the trajectory of where we're going at the moment. So the lines are open throughout the show, and our focus today will be COVID 19 at every single angle. 0891 104 207. My very first guest is Dr. Uh, she's a medical virologist and uh, she, she's a geneticist as well at the Newfield Department of Clinic Medicine, Clinical Medicine in the University of, of Oxford and Department of Medicine in the University of Cape Town. And uh, she joins us now on the line. She won't be very long with us, but other specialists are also going to be coming through. So she joins us now on the line. Good afternoon, Dr. Khatle. Thank you so much for joining us. I to finish. Um, <laughs> okay, so yeah, here I am. Thanks very much for joining us. Uh, welcome to the show. You're live on air. I just want to ask you from your experience, we're hearing new information coming through. Dr. Khatli, tell us about what, you, you, what, what we need to be informed about around this new information around airborne. It's now, you know, apparently some, some doctors have come together and submitted some evidence that there may be something to look into around the virus being airborne. Okay.
2: So, uh thanks for inviting me to your show and then I'll just I'd like to say hi to uh, the listeners. Yes. Okay. Uh pin- I'm sure, like you guys knew before, that uh, like we were actually talking about the 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 mode of transmission being the droplet transmission, yes. where actually people can contract the virus when somebody who is already infected with the virus, which is this COVID-19 uh, related virus, uh, when they cough and sneeze, and then that can spread droplets of saliva or mucus, where like people around them can get infected. So, but now with the new evidence came into uh, that has been emerged that you're actually talking about that doctors and scientists have been discussing it about being the possibility of airborne transmission yes so when we have the airborne transmission the difference between the airborne transmission to droplet one is when those tiny particles from uh the from like when this is not only when somebody is coughing or sneezing it's when they talking just like a a mere like Talking, You can actually just get those uh, tiny particles suspended in the air for longer and travel further. And people get infected through that. So this means basically like it's not only going to be when you have somebody sitting there and sneezing. Even if maybe I was there in the room and then I have just like me being infected, I have just like actually suspended those particles. So in the air spaces, they will still be there even if I'm can get infected from that. That's what we're talking about when we talk about airborne transmission.
1: Would So does it mean the mask would also then be effective in, in, in helping with that transmission since now we now have this information or not really? Yes, because like with... with but some people when they talk, I see
2: like especially when I see people being interviewed, sometimes they take the mask down yes, so if that person is infected, obviously with airborne transmission, which means their particles can be suspended in the air and stay there longer and travel further for other people to be infected. Mm. If that really is the case with the airborne transmission, because remember with the airborne transmission, even though those scientists and clinicians have been discussing this, there is no conclusive evidence
1: hundred percent to show that that's the case but they suspecting that that could be the case sure what that means for me then is that it's not enough to wipe the mic if we now are sharing a mic at a specific I don't know gathering Um, it's the space it's not just sanitizing the, 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 the mic where somebody has come through and spoken. Mm-hmm. Because what we've been doing now is that one speaker comes and then afterwards mm-hmm. we sanitize that, 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 that microphone and then another speaker comes through, it simply says if someone who was in that vicinity was talking, had COVID-19 without their mask and you come mm-hmm. back to that space, not just the mic, you mm-hmm. are likely to be infected. Yes, that's exactly what it means. You're Oh, wow. <laughs> it's quite that, scary, that's right? quite. It is quite scary. It is quite scary yeah. because this, I suppose, calls for really radical ways in which we should be doing things. Yes, yes, true.
2: So I, I, I will just advise people that if in a room, like, it, it shouldn't be that, okay, this room has been sanitized yesterday, mm-hmm. so now in the room and think so we think we should be safe what maybe they should be like uh, like you say radical way radical measurements that can come maybe you should actually just make sure that you sanitize the room maybe now and then maybe after each and every 30 minutes or after each and every presenter in the room or after each and every person
1: then you just sanitize which is going to be a lot of work but i think it's something that we need to do but From what I'm hearing, it's not about only sanitizing. So for instance, um, Kathy was in the studio now before me, Mm. right? Mm -hmm. Does it mean what else could I do to to save God myself? Because the space is the same space. So we've sanitized the entire equipment and everything. But we are now at a point where we're discussing the space and the particles in the room. So that's why I'm saying it's going to be difficult unless if we have
2: like a radical measurement where maybe somebody can come with a like not just only sanitizing, maybe yes. some, 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 uh, some spray that they can actually spray the whole room to actually neutralize the yes. virus if it's there. So that's why I'm saying there should be more than actually just people sanitizing, but the room be cleaned now and then. So radically that the virus can actually doesn't get a, a, a
1: chance to actually exist or pass on to other people if it's there mm. it's, i mean are there are there things that we can use to cleanse the air I. <laughs> so in terms of that's a very actually that's a very
2: good question so in terms of cleaning the air i think They must be like, because like now there are a lot of things that are being done uh, where they will come and then just fumigate the whole uh, room. So they do have that kind of technology. So we do have that, but it's going to be expensive. That's what I'm saying, which means people will have to stay there. And maybe you guys should hire people who will be there now and then and just trying to make sure that they actually clean up the whole room using those technology, whatever they will be using to actually
1: get rid of all these particles of the virus. This is quite something. Um, let's talk to the symptoms that apparently the, the, the virus is mutating in a different way and people are seeing different types of symptoms. So and, and actually some uh, symptoms that we thought would be the primary um, you know, indicator that somebody has got the virus are no longer the indicators. So people are saying they're, they're getting sick, but they don't have a temperature. They have instead they're not even coughing. They have a tummy ache. Yes, you know what, in terms of the virus, it will depend
2: from one person to another. So like the symptoms, actually, they talk like you having a fever, which is why now when we go to the shop and then they will take our temperature to say if maybe somewhere somehow I have a high temperature and then coughing and shortness of breath. But now some, there are other uh, uh, symptoms like tummy as well. And then some people losing kind of like, uh, they don't feel, they don't taste, you know, like when you have that, yeah. that sort of like tasting food, you don't have that taste capacity anymore. So those are kind of other uh, uh, kind of uh, symptoms that you, you can see when you're infected. But some other people, like I say, like it, it just depends from one person to another. Some people, they don't even show any of those symptoms it's quite a very difficult uh
1: thing really there's a lot to ask there's a lot to ask and i mean i know you don't have much time but i mean from all that we've now discovered in the past i i think this is what 48 hours <laughs> what concerns you the most you mean for myself
2: yes Actually, what concerns me the most is the one of airborne uh, transmission. Because mm-hmm. if you think about the airborne transmission, which means we're in trouble, if, if, if we have that, that means the whole population is going to be affected, mm-hmm. And it's going to be very difficult to prevent that, if you think about it, Pomelo. Mm-hmm. So that scares me. So I, I even thought, I actually, for a very long time, I thought about this airborne transmission, just looking at uh, the way, like, we have so high infection, rate, infectious, infection rates. I mean, think about the whole world, we're nearly having 12 million people people infected worldwide, that's quite a lot, a big population. So if it's airborne, if it's just going to be trouble for us. But I think if we follow the, the protocol, all the, 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 the measures that we have been recommended by the WHO and our Department of Health, I think we can do it. Together we can do this. We shouldn't be scared. We yeah.
1: should become strong and then continue doing the best that we can. <laughs> Dr. Mangkupo Khatle, thank you very much for your time, medical virologist. I mean, I'm chuckling because I'm now I'm really petrified. I'm really petrified. If this is what has come through, um, it suddenly changes everything. It changes how we have now shifted our mentality and how we thought we can make spaces safer. Because if someone passes through and they happen to have been speaking to somebody else and that area in itself is contaminated. I mean, just think about how we've been moving around in shopping centers, well, you know, buying essentials and stuff. And you think, you know, it's surfaces. It's not just surfaces. It's the fact that somebody passed by. That is scary. Okay, let me take your questions because I I think I'm freaking out. 0891-104-207. And uh, your questions will continue taking those questions. We've got uh, Professor Fielding who's also going to be taking some of your questions. And uh, you can do that also on WhatsApp notes. uh, 0614-104-107.
0: Let's have the conversation. 0891-104-207.
1: Okay, so the conversation continues. All eyes today for us are on COVID-19. Lots of new information coming through. We want to take your questions. You can start dialing in 891 I have questions. I think I'm a bit freaked out, so I do apologize if I'm freaking you out. Okay, so now we're speaking to Professor Bertram Fielding, virologist and specialist in COVID-19 at the University of the Western Cape. Professor Fielding, thanks so much for joining us this afternoon. Thanks very much. Uh, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Candela. Uh, so I am, I'm freaked out, Professor Fielding. Your take on the airborne new information? Nothing to freak out
3: about um, with this new information, and purely for the fact that it's not new information. If you look at studies um, reported right at the beginning of this pandemic, um, some researchers were actually reporting that this virus, yes, can be transferred via large droplets from the nose and mouth, and they also spoke about smaller droplets uh, in which these viruses can be found that can stay suspended in the air. That is a process called aerosol, aerolization of the of the virus. So the virus are found in aerosols. Uh-huh. And that is nothing more than, than smaller droplets. So we've seen this for the six other human coronaviruses. I think the confusion has set in with the WHO saying that there is no significant evidence that this plays a significant role in the transmission of the virus. Um, And I think with with this group of researchers now coming out and saying, hang on, maybe the role of this is significant. I think
1: that is where the confusion um, comes about. So how come they feel that maybe the role is significant and you don't feel the same way? You know, so if you look at
3: at SARS and MERS, uh, the previous outbreaks of coronaviruses, um, it's always been known to be an issue, but it's been a, a huge problem in medical settings. And in medical settings, um, airflow is of a very particular nature. So, you know, air is filtered and there's no flow from outside, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So it's been shown and reported for other outbreaks, and even in this outbreak, in this pandemic, that in the medical setting, it is a problem in small spaces. So if you're in a, in a bigger, well-ventilated space, the risk is still much, much smaller than direct transfer from human to human biologic droplets.
1: So in, a, in, a, in an area where um, maybe the, the, the area is, the space is a little bit small and there isn't proper ventilation, so windows are not open, how long would that air need to be purified?
3: So so that's exactly the, the debate, I think, now that that is causing all of the all of the, the, the scare and the confusion. So if you look at some of the, the non-COVID studies, where researchers have looked at um, aerosols in the air and how long they can, they can stay suspended almost, anything up to eight hours. Mm. So we do not know whether this is similar for, for COVID yet, but I would not be surprised if you could have aerosols with COVID, anything from, from two hours to about eight hours in a poorly ventilated, Small area. What is also very important to remember, studies have been very clear uh, since 2000, 2003, that these viruses lose their inact- uh, become inactive very fast due to environmental um, conditions as well. So temperature, humidity, uh, whether there's a wind, whether there's airflow, all of those would impact on the, on the viability of those viruses in the aerosols as well. But it's really a very complex uh, phenomenon and it's not as straightforward as the the virus are hanging in the air waiting on somebody to come along and i think the the, the biggest measure against the aerosols is still your mask a, a good quality mask that is used in a proper way that is still the, the best way
1: hmm. prof let's just take calls 0891 Did didn't dinner or you're calling us from bedford view good afternoon Hi, how are you? I'm well, thanks. Go ahead, Danielle. I'm good. I'm the first time caller. Uh, you know, I wish I had cake for you. I wish I had... It was <laughs> <laughs> my daughter's birthday yesterday. Oh, happy birthday. What's your daughter's name, Dineo? Uh, Pindile. Okay, happy birthday to Pindile. Please tell her we said happy birthday. Okay, I will do and, so and we are thank going to send you. a virtual cake to her. I promise you, we'll send <laughs> a... <laughs> Oh, That will be awesome. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> Go ahead with your question, Danelle. Okay. Um, it's it, it
4: actually is a challenge, mm-hmm. not a question per se. Uh, I got a family who. Uh, she's living with her boyfriend. Mm-hmm. They've rented a room somewhere in a township. Mm. And. Um, the boyfriend tested positive for COVID. Mm-hmm. And she went this morning. Okay, the results came yesterday. She went this morning to do the test. And they said uh, she does not show any symptoms. She went to the public clinic. She doesn't show any symptoms. Then she told me, then I gave her the age 50 to say, okay, I'd rather go to this camp. Then she went to some uh Place in Centurion, I think, where they do the test, the drive through test, and they said they need a referral from a doctor. She does not have the money to go to the doctor to get a referral letter. So it's quite a situation for mm-hmm. her to, like, okay, what do I do now? So we had to go through the internet to call, I called Greenstone, no, we don't do it anymore. Eastgate they do it. You call Eastgate, you're on the line for like two hours. When they eventually answer the phone, they're not sure if they need the referral because it's drive through and I've called this game inside the shop. Yeah. So it's it's quite confusing at the moment. What do I what does she do? she got a partner yeah. who that
1: positive. Yeah. What 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 area is this in the township you said? Uh, Ebony Park which is Midrand area né? Yes. Mm. no 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 I know exactly what you're talking about I've been through the same process so I understand I mean Professor Fielding it, it, the, it seems to me that many of us are experiencing the same thing just access to this um, to testing is is, is quite challenging um, if you have cash you can if you don't you are going to be jumping lots of hoops well, Mila, I'm hearing the same horror stories from all over and it is, it is
3: unfortunately um, happening in the, in the private sector as well now. Mm. So I think it is just the, the testing facilities overrun by the number of, of tests that they have to do. So what I've been advising people is if you've been in contact with somebody that has been confirmed positive yes. and you cannot be tested, assume that you are positive as well. And if you can, self-isolate. So minimize contact with other people. And I know it's not always possible, and that is the problem we're facing in South Africa. A very large portion of our of our population simply cannot self-isolate because of the living conditions. So, so it is very difficult. But in that case, assume that you are positive um, until you can be tested, and uh, minimise contact with others. Um, but, the, the, the biggest scare that the fear that I have, by the time that people are now being tested, yeah. it is. Two to three weeks after they've um, had first symptoms. Mm. By then, they are no longer positive. So we're now saying somebody is positive and the virus has cleared from the system very likely.
1: So I think it's messing with our numbers that we're reporting as well. All right Professor, Professor Fielding, let's just take a quick break and go to the headlines because we obviously need a bit more time, lots of people who are asking us to, um, to take your question, to take their questions and we, we want to just do that after the headlines. but it is now 1:30. let's go to the very latest of headlines with Risha Mudare. Here,
0: there and everywhere. Where? SAFM. 106.2 FM
5: in Tohoyando. Afternoon ladies, my name is Leon and I'm from Hood by Cape Town. Uh, I think we will never have an impact on this COVID-19 one. It's a strange disease and we haven't had enough results on it. And the various treatment or, uh, pro, pro, uh, or yeah, the various treatment that we are using seems to not working. And I would believe more or less uh, education. And if I'm talking already about education, physical education, because you, you will have some areas where our people are still working without a mask, doesn't have a concentration or, it, or doesn't give attention to this so i would believe more ground level education uh, on the virus and how to prevent it because we are heading for a really really very big storm this covid 19.
4: i really think that the panic that is gonna that is being created now by what the scientists are working on finding is a little bit premature because the findings are not conclusive as yet so they they don't really know whether this virus is airborne yet i think that it was just a bit premature of them to make announcements publicly right that's the first thing and the second thing it really means that if they are right and it is an airborne virus then that means the mask should be thrown away because you'll get it through the eyes this is Anonymous in Devon.
6: What's your opinion on a person whose partner tested positive for COVID uh, this day, the, to, the following day, the company tests and then tests negative? Partner is positive, tests the following day and, uh, and uh, discovers that no, uh, the test comes out negative. What's your opinion on that?
1: Professor Fielding joins us now on the line. He is a virologist specializing in COVID-19 at the University of the Western Cape. Prof, you heard the questions. I mean, it, it's not uncommon, is it, that uh, there are just people who will not get those symptoms, the COVID-19 symptoms?
3: Definitely. So, so somebody can be infected and not have symptoms. And I think the numbers that we are seeing reported by national government um, is only a, a drop in the ocean. I think our actual numbers are higher um, because remember, you only really get tested if, you, if you're ill, if you have symptoms, but it is known that a very large portion of those infected would have very mild symptoms, so they'll never get tested, or they are asymptomatic, which means they have no symptoms. Uh, I've been speculating that in the end, at the end of this pandemic, we will probably discover that about 10 to 20% of the population in the end was infected. And and that is based on what we see for the other four circulating coronaviruses, the the seasonal ones. So based on that figure, I think um, the numbers are actually higher. Mm -hmm. So so we should not be too concerned, and I'm using concerned between inverted commas, about the numbers that are reported. We should really be focusing on the hospitalization and even more so on the number of people in ICU and critical care. Because remember, those are the people who are at risk of death, um, so COVID-19 is not a death sentence. Only those in critical care and intensive care they have a very small chance of, of dying. Um, and and last the uh, last figures I saw that I had access to was two weeks ago. In critical care, intensive care, we had 350 350 people in total. Out of all the
1: 220,000 that have been tested positive, that's a very very small number for. Prof. Are there, it may be a stupid question. Are there people who are immune, as far as we know, um, from getting the virus? Just to address that other question from, from a, the, the WhatsApp note where, where they're saying the partner is definitely negative. They live together. I mean, positive. They live together. But the the other one tested negative. Are there people who are just immune? So the, the answer is probably not. I have seen... Um, um
3: some editorials where researchers have said who knows some of the other coronaviruses might have uh, conferred, might have given us some resistance to COVID-19. Mm-hmm. But remember, even though somebody is infected with a virus, it doesn't mean that everybody exposed to that virus will become infected. Look at influenza, look at flu every year. I see. Your partner might have flu, but you might not have flu that year. Mm-hmm. So even if you're exposed to a virus and it gets into your body, Conditions need to be almost perfect in the person and in the virus for to be to become infective. Mm-hmm. So it's called a productive infection. Mm-hmm. So not all infections are productive. Got you. So so that is that is not very uncommon.
1: Okay, William, you're calling from the Free State. Good afternoon, and thanks for your patience, William. Uh,
7: good afternoon, uh, Pamelo. Yes, uh, I would like to find th- two things. First one is that. Uh, I might have missed it some, some, somewhere along the line. There. When they talk about flattening the curve, I don't understand it in layman's term, Can can somebody explain to us what do they mean flattening the curves? we've got three variables. We've got the total number of cases infected, and then we've got the number of people at, uh, over 20, 24 hours. And then we've got deaths as well. So I don't know which which variables are variable are they using. So that's one question. then the second second one is that uh, in the airplane when you in the airplane there is usually spray for air fresh now or something. I don't know what it is, but I don't know what it is, it's just it's sterilized or whatever. I don't know if he, he, that cannot be used. He, uh, 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 because now we know that the the, the virus is is airborne now. So what's okay, your question? I are you, are you, are you, no, no, hang on before, question. You,
1: before you leave, William. Yeah. Hold on. Are, yeah. you, are you asking if this? Yeah. this is, I'm I'm trying really, to understand that, that, what that, your question that, is about the the spray in in the aeroplane.
7: Yeah, the you know, when we, during your talk with the first, first uh, doctor that was there, we, I'm thinking that 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 that. that Thing that they normally use, you know, in the, they usually spray into the air.
1: Mm-hmm.
7: So, is that not a sterilized, sterilized of some sort or whatever? Of the air. If somebody knows about that. Yes. All right.
1: Thanks very yes. much, William. Prof, uh, you, um, I don't know if you heard all the questions. There were two yes, questions sir.
3: there. So, so, let me let me to the, the second question first. So, I think the
1: caller is speaking about
3: the air disinfectant spray that they use on certain international flights. So, remember, I think we need to be very clear. When these researchers, when we are saying that this is an airborne virus, we are saying that the virus is found in tiny droplets that can stay suspended longer in the air than the bigger droplets. So remember, the smaller something is, the longer it can float in the air. Mm-hmm. This is what we mean by airborne. Mm-hmm. So any disinfectant, even if we spray it, it might kill on contact. But if somebody comes to sneeze, those minute droplets could be expelled into the air again. So the biggest problem with with, uh, f- with flights is the confined space that we're in mm-hmm. and people not being able to adhere to social distancing or physical distancing. That's the problem with the flights as well. Um, so errors are the, it does not mean that these, these viruses float on their own. They are found in these tiny droplets. Flattening of the curve, so this curve is... is to, to, to simplify it, it is essentially how many infections do we get nationally or in a province in a particular day. So when they say, when the government or medical personnel are saying they flatten the curve, they are trying to minimise the number of infections that we are finding in when we test per day. So if we have a thousand and we say please uh, lock down, now we have 500 the curve would then be spread over a longer time. So it is really a a graph that is plotted with the number of infections that is seen in a particular day over the time. So that's really what the curve is. So flattening the curve is taking the number of infections and spreading it over a longer time. So before flattening the curve, you might have a million infections within a month. If you flatten the curve, you now have a million infections over two to three months. That is really what slapping the curve is. All right.
1: Robert, you're calling from Pretoria. Good afternoon, Robert.
6: Good afternoon, Melo. Thank you so much for the lovely job you're doing you as frontliners in disseminating the information to the public.
1: Thanks, Robert. Thank you so much.
6: The comment I have on the, on the COVID being an airborne is just to encourage each and everyone that we are all exposed to the coronavirus. And we just need to take precautions to detoxify our bodies to take as much immune boosters as we can so that we can fight this uh, uh, unseen enemy. That's number one. Number two, if you can engage with the authorities in the Ministry of Health, Pemelo, and verify on the number of graves that have been prepared.
1: It's 1,500.
6: Uh, it's 1,500 graves, mm-hmm. not 1 million.
1: No, 1,000. We are speaking about Gauteng, eh? 1,500 in Gauteng.
6: 1,500 graves. In but it, in, is, Gauteng.
1: It, in, Gauteng. in Gauteng. This is a yes, Gauteng mission, yeah. My issue now
6: is if we have got a, a, a death rate of less than 4,000 countrywide, is it really necessary to have those graves? And also, I understand there was a tender awarded that was the, grieving of, the digging of graves. How can we have a tender for graves when the government is asking for volunteers to work in the Nazareth COVID hospital? So if you can engage with the authorities so that they can verify on that one. Thank you, Pimelo. Keep up the good work.
1: Thanks, um, Robert. Prof, I think I, w- I, want you pr- I won't bring you into the politics, but the, the numbers, uh, when you look at the numbers, is it necessary to have 1,500 prepared graves uh, when we look at the, the number of deaths that we've seen so far?
3: I don't, I don't think yet, but remember, government has to work on numbers and predictions. And, and I think government needs to earn the, uh, on the side of caution, and they really have to prepare for a worst-case scenario. So remember, at the start of this outbreak, there were calculations that said we would see 100,000 deaths in South Africa. Media neglected to report that, that those were worst-case scenarios with almost everybody being infected and a high death rate as what we see internationally. This is not what we see seen in South Africa. So it is really preparing for worst case scenarios, all
1: right. in my opinion. John, you're calling from Bumalanga. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. How are you, Tamela? Well, thanks. Thanks for calling, John.
0: Good, good. Um, I'm from Durban originally. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the past two weeks, uh, my uh, girlfriend's grandmother was not feeling well. She had all the symptoms, and uh, she took antibiotics. If she rested. She's about 72 years old. Mm. And um, her uh, her grandson last week tested positive. NICD came and and took him away. And uh, two days later, they came back and they tested the family. My girlfriend didn't want to take the test. Now, I've been in contact with uh, my my girlfriend Mm. last week. And I'm not showing any symptoms. On Monday, I had a a little runny tummy. And uh, that's uh, that's cleared now. My concern is that I'm away on business. I may infect other people. So I'm, I'm, I'm really, 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 really worried now. What to do? Should I go test? Or is it clear that I'm not, I don't have any symptoms now, as you said so to speak? Mm. Prof?
3: So, so please, I have to give the disclaimer, I'm not a medical doctor. So I can purely base on the research that I know of. Remember that diarrhea is one of the symptoms. And it is, recorded, it is reported in more and more patients. Even in patients mm. who have a very low-grade fever, in, in those patients, um, diarrhea has been reported as well. As I mentioned earlier, yeah. you need to speak to your GP and if your GP yeah. can ensure that you are tested, be tested. However, um, uh, testing has been limited to a very particular um, group of, of people at the moment. So the advice that I normally give people that would ask me is, if you've been in contact and you have any of the symptoms, then before you see the symptoms, while, those per- while that person is waiting on the outcome, self-isolate yeah. um, and treat them so you are positive but obviously yeah. it's not always easy for everybody so my best advice to you would: uh, you need to speak to your, to your GP please and before okay. you see your GP uh, do things that you would do as though you were you, you, you see yourself as positive yeah. I mean you, you, uh, been, uh,
1: your concern um, of, of whether you should get tested you said you had a runny, runny tummy yeah. was there a reason why your girlfriend didn't want to get tested
0: uh, no, she said it may stress her, so it's fine. Yeah. She'll isolating till she comes back, she, she, she doesn't have any symptoms at all.
1: But you then went on a business trip. Sorry, you went. You are now on a business trip.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've, been, I've been taking precautions. I haven't been in contact with anyone.
1: Uh-huh. I hope you're wearing a mask.
0: I've got a mask. I've got sanitizer. I've got <laughs> um, disinfectant wipes. I keep my distance, but I've, I've been taking precautions. And I've been, I've been taking my temperature every morning. It's been uh, thirty six point three uh, thirty five to five point five. It's been it's been a high temperature reading.
1: Okay, John John, what you know after what you've just heard? What what does this mean? Are you able to 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 isolate yourself?
0: I can isolate myself. Moving over when I get back home on Friday tomorrow. But moving forward, I'm currently in Pumalang. I can't really do anything, but Mm. I can isolate myself back
1: home. Okay. Thanks. Thanks, John. Prof, I've got a very silly question to ask you. So somebody um, had a a person who tested positive in their family and they themselves tested. I'm not sure if they were waiting for for results, but were advised by the doctor to isolate. Mm. And uh, they started with the process and then they went up until day five. And they said they're taking a break. They'll come back after they, you know, after. <laughs> I mean, I wanted to laugh. But I don't even think it's funny. What <laughs> you do you say, actually? What do you say?
3: So remember, self-isolation and, and even the 14 days that, that researchers are saying in the medical establishment is saying that we should self-isolate or quarantine. Even that might not be enough. So that is in the majority of the cases we, we know that individuals are cleared from infectious virus after the 14 days. So uh, the 14 days, it, it's more about preventing you from spreading. So taking a break in between is, is very irresponsible because if you are positive, you, you, you risk infecting others. So, so really it's not about um, taking the break to give you a break. It is to, how do you minimize exposure to others to minimize the, the possibility of transferring the virus if you are infected. So it's very irresponsible and I would not advise it at all.
1: All right, Prop. Prof, let's just take the one last voice note before we end the conversation.
5: Uh, good afternoon, Pamela. Uh, when I look at this uh, coronavirus now because it's an Ebola now and also now this means now we are really facing difficulties. I was just thinking like since people is difficult for the people now to wear the mask, uh, can not they just maybe produce some spray, maybe sprays that can just be sprayed in the mouth to kill them, gems, even if it's for temporary. Or maybe some sweet that can be eaten, that that can also create some gems maybe in the in the saliva or something like that. And the second thing I was also thinking that maybe they can produce the mask for the eyes now, because we have mask for the nose and the mouth, but for the eyes. What about the eyes? Thank you, Zelkova.
2: Hi, Pumela. So, if the virus is airborne versus the um, announcement the minister of health just made that. Companies are not obliged to test all their staff So hypothetically if Bongi came to work Had a coffee today In your presence but you were social distancing This thing is now airborne The following day tomorrow you hear that he's tested positive What does that mean for you? What does that mean for anybody else that would have entered that space that he was in? Thank you.
3: Professor Fielding? So the WHO is still very clear that it it takes a prolonged exposure to infectious material. Um, The the concern is small, poorly ventilated areas. Outside um, it should not be a problem, I should not say it should not be a problem. It is an extremely extremely small risk because remember the virus is almost diluted outside. You have wind current, you have UV light, you have humidity, uh, temperature variations. So outside the risk is very, very small. The only settings where this has been proven to be a huge problem has been in medical settings because air flow is very well regulated. I mean, there have been one or two studies in restaurants and in places of worship, uh, but that has not been confirmed yet. And it was very much to do about physical distancing was not adhered to and the masks are not being worn. So in my opinion, um, the, the measures that we still have in place, the mask, good respiratory practices, um, washing of hands, do not touch your face, those are still extremely important because, once again, the only difference between what these researchers are saying now and, and what the WHO has said previously is that the viruses are now also associated, it's also found with tiny droplets that can float in the air longer compared to the bigger droplets that would fall to the ground and to surface faster. So continue with the, with the measures of, of self-protection and and look after those who are at, at greatest risk, please.
1: Professor Fielding, thank you so much. We'll keep in touch and uh, we'll probably speak to you again next week.
3: Thank you, Pamela.
1: Professor Beatron Fielding is a virologist at the University of the Western Cape and uh, she he was just uh, giving us an update on what they now really... I suppose they're, 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 they're all thinking through because there was a group of scientists who've now submitted um, to the World Health Organization, saying that they there's enough evidence from where they're sitting that this is now airborne. But more details will come through as, as they go through and comb through some of the evidence that has been presented by the World Health Organization, a cause for concern there. And I, I know that um, a lot of you are saying, no, it's premature. But I suppose if any information comes through, we need to, to take heed of that. Um, otherwise, we will all be saying they didn't tell us, right? So um, it's up to you how you want to treat the information, but it's important for us to, to disperse that information and make sure that all of us are better informed as the information comes through.